Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Building Your Business right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I am your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest today is Andrew Schaefer. How about the Wanton Monks? Mindfulness meditation. Now, I know we talk a great deal about meditation, but are you suffering from burnout? from putting out fires at work or managing their teams and meeting deadlines, difficulty shutting off the inner chatter, stopping the inner critic and unable to present uh, for meetings while at the office or family members at home, supporting their teams or a negative um, today's difficult and uncertain environments, or even work-related stress bleeding into the family relationships. Well, this is what he puts out there. If you're suffering from any of this, well, he's got some answers for you. We're going to find out what those answers are today and how mindful meditation can help us switch off the chatter and apply to every aspect of your life. Because whether you're at home or whether you're at work, we really do want to be kind of in the same flow. He studied um, with books and monks that he met. He would love to have gone off and been there uh, as a monk for quite a while studying this in Asia, but I couldn't do that. So instead he absorbed all the knowledge that he could get hold of. And now today has turned that around with 25 years of knowledge and is now helping us. So welcome, Andrew. Thank you. And you've got your three wonderful kids there behind you and very, uh, we may even see a couple of them pop up. So <laughs> they want to be a part of <laughs> yeah. it today. So that's the joys of being at home and working, isn't it? Absolutely. And that happens. Uh, on, it, you know, it's funny when I was working from home before the whole COVID-19, uh, you know, I did my, I would, very good not to have kids coming in because people really tried to separate that. Like mm -hmm. Your work was your work, your home was your home. And if you had a home office, it's still, you were pretending it was work. Yeah. Uh, and so now there's much greater acceptance. I'm much nicer to my kids because if they come in now, everyone kind of understands. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to kind of, you know, push them away and pretend that you know, like that, you know, that interview on yes, CNN yes. where <laughs> the kids come in, the wife comes in, <laughs> you're trying to pull them out. Yeah. That's life. We've all evolved. That's now. life. Now we put you them know? on our lap. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They join the in the conversation or take over whatever the case is. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe we learn something from them or they learn something from us in the conversation. Who knows? I think that's a, a part of a great deal of, dealing with any of the stresses today is we need to lighten up over certain things, don't we? Don't take things so seriously. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, it's easy to say that. And the problem is we've all literally wired our brains to react the way they are reacting. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what I find more helpful is, you know, it's, it's like there's that, uh, picture that's gone around that says, you know, when is the last time saying calm down has helped anyone? And anyone in a marriage knows that's typically even when that's the right outcome you want. Saying those words is not the best means <sighs> to get them. <laughs> Fireworks, yes. <laughs> so I think it's the same, you know, with this. It's, it's uh, we need, 
we need to do some inner work mm. to transform kind of the conditioning. And that's all this is, is a conditioned mm. process. Uh, but there are, what's amazing is now, uh, due to globalization in part, um, now we can have access to ancient techniques that you know, have been used and proven effective for thousands of years. Um, and we can, you know, without traveling overseas, mm -hmm. without going to some remote forest, uh, we have access to the same practices that they were doing under those conditions. And that really proved effective for the yeah. human predicament. We've also got to remember that a lot of these people that go and do that, they're, they're kind of in silence or in the same vibration as everyone else in the, in the meditation. Um, I had a wonderful gentleman called uh, Michel Pascal on, and he's saying it's all very well meditating in silence. It's how do you meditate in the chaos? And he would actually take his people into Times Square and say, you know, be the mountain, ground yourself, be in that meditation here amongst the chaos. And that is so much harder to do because, you know, like that movie Up Squirrel, <laughs> you know, we get diverted so quickly to things. And it's really just taking that breath, you know, rather like Matrix, right? Um, you know, and it just calms right down with whatever's happening around him. Easier said than done, but it is something that we have to be willing to participate in and realize it's not going to come overnight. It is going to be practice, practice, practice before you get it perfectly done. But I, I also think there's a lot of misconception. There's something called yogi mind. Mm -hmm. And this is the uh, quality of the mind that becomes obsessive, even mm -hmm. when on a retreat in a remote forest meditation center. You would be surprised at the wars that are waged with eyes closed <laughs> in seeming bliss, sitting yes. next to somebody who turns on the fan or turns off the fan yeah. or coughs. Yeah. too much belches I mean the rage that gets released and I think that's you know that's the signal I mean you go to this pristine externally pristine environment which by the way usually isn't easy because you've got yeah, I was over in Asia and Burma so you've got mosquitoes and mm -hmm. hot hot humid conditions their health conditions whether it's malaria or dysentery um, so you have all these factors and, and very quickly you realize this is where you realize that your mind um, is, is reactive. Yeah. And so, you know, here you are in the perfect meditation center and your mind is ready to kill somebody uh, over something. And so and that's why over something just small, this, right? you've gone. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and so you've, no matter what, there's not much of a, a justification for killing no. whether it's small or large yeah, exactly. but, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but you go there and you realize like okay you know I, inner transformation is needed it's not environmental it's right. not whether you're in Times square or in the forest um, but we've got to on a much deeper level re um recondition how we react that is so apropos to right now you know we're seeing an upheaval. I'm going to bore people with my same comment who knows and listen to all my shows, but the universe is here to um, shake us up, to wake us up, for us to step up 
and change it up. And we've certainly been woken up and shaken up with the COVID and uh, Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter, uh, police brutality, um, and also the fact that, you know, economically people are having to redirect themselves in their business in order to sustain themselves. So that shaken up is there, but I think we're at the present stage of stepping up. And that means step up in your own life. You've got to change things up. But there is no back to normal. What is kind of a new norm? And you can't do that in a chaotic mind. You do have to find a center in yourself that's calm in order to be actually able to see what possibilities lay before you. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, calm or equanimity. Um, you know, I think people always project that somebody who's done a lot of practice is in this you know, kind, constant calm or something. Um, and it's not, you know, you, in one sense, you develop far greater sensitivity. So you're just much more aware mm -hmm. of, you know, the anxieties, the worries, the stress, the, and as a result of that awareness, you can cut future problems off much earlier before yes. they escalate to, to enormous, uh, overwhelming problems. Take um, the breath. Yeah, take the breath and and um, and more than taking the breath because that's you know, it's it's about tuning in. Mm -hmm. I mean, going back to the you know Richard Alpert in the seventies, Ramdas, right? Tune in. Yes. You know, it really is about. It's funny when when we I work in as a financial advisor and people wouldn't buy stocks without or mutual funds or ETFs without doing some degree of research and having some belief system around that like mm -hmm. that you're gonna you're hoping to do grow your wealth and so you're paying attention to the factors that make it appropriate to buy an investment or to sell an investment at any given time and i think it's the same thing there's you know market data available mm -hmm. if we just pay attention a little bit yes you know so many people are feeling unconscious sadness or yeah. sadness is arising, but they're unconscious of it. Mm -hmm. And then they're placating it or doing something to avoid that uncomfortable feeling where if they were turned to and see that they are dealing with sadness, they could probably identify and take much more proactive steps than the kind of unconscious awareness leading to some habit or mm -hmm. pattern of behavior. It yeah. doesn't serve them or their best interests. Yeah. The, the so band aid solution. About, again, yeah. Or the, yeah, or the habit solution. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, is only putting a band aid on the situation because you're not getting down to the root of the problem. You're ignoring it. So it's going to keep coming up and coming up and manifesting itself in any way it can to get your attention. So you can't yes. outrun it. You've got to turn around and face it. Yes. The facing Absolutely. of it, though, that's, that's the question, isn't it? Is that we don't realize how much we carry, uh, not only, um, you know, ancestral, you know, in our, in our family DNA, and, um, you know, how ancestral it goes back, patterns that are there. And very often, I think people just don't recognize the patterns they're in, because it's always been there. It's something they've always done, what society is always doing. And it's not realizing that that pattern is bad for you. And somewhere along the line, you really need to face it in order to break it. Yeah, obviously, a lot of people aren't talking about this as being, you know, mm -mm. important work. I remember when I was 20 and I went on my first meditation retreat and I had read some and connected through reading 
to other people that had been exploring these issues, but I'd never met real living people. And then I went on this retreat and was like, oh my goodness, people are talking about, about this and how to work with this inner world skillfully. Yes. I've never been taught that in high school and no. university. Uh -huh. It was... It was an assumption. If you were successful, if you got A's, if you were whatever, then you had figured this out. And, you know, that was a very misguided assumption. As we could see by the success of many people that maybe yeah. at the top of their game and all of a sudden they commit suicide. And, yes. you know, and they, they've built up such an incredible successful facade that nobody sees the pain behind it. And it just comes, it gets to that point where that pain is too much and they can't carry on anymore. And in a lot of ways, the image that they've prevented, presented of themselves, nobody would believe the pain anyway. And um, because a lot of people, when you look at someone successful, well, what have you got to be sad about? Yeah. Right? You don't know what they're carrying around inside. Do not judge the person by the exterior. Yeah. So you had somebody, a schoolmate um, that was feeling suicidal and that was kind of the first eye-opener for you and again we don't know who's going to get that again the assumption that it must be somebody you know who's been through a trauma um, we don't know what makes people sad enough or, or at that point where they'll take their own lives but the inside out living is something that we have to do in order to actually sustain ourselves in this life and in equilibrium right and Everybody is looking on the outside, even if they're reading books and this and that, they're kind of reading it, but not taking it in. You know, it's still that external patch. How would you guide people to kind of absorb this and take it in and find that equilibrium within themselves? You know, it's interesting. So some of the techniques that I studied, they, they described it, that there's these doorways into our consciousness six sense doorways mm -hmm. the, the feeling sense the touching sense the hearing sense the seeing sense and so the practice they teach in that tradition is very much about being at that present moment of awareness mm -hmm. so we can see which door is grabbing our attention and be mindful of what is coming through and so you know the analogy is given if you go to an apartment building in new york city they have doormen Mm -hmm. But most people, when we're living out in the world around us and caught up in that external perception, we're ignoring kind of the internal. And yeah. so that internal doorway is wide open. And that allows for emotions, anger and hatred and all these negative feelings that, uh, you know, undermine us to arise uh, at their will. Yeah. There's not even... Uh, any you know remediation of these processes until we can learn to be at that moment where consciousness is arising and simply that presence that awareness it's like it's a deterrent in and of itself of a lot of these negative emotions mm -hmm. but then as we learn how to focus and strengthen the positive qualities of our mind it's like the negatives don't manifest as much. They, they stay away. And that observation power is transformative in and of itself. You don't have to think of what to do. At some point, it's, yeah. it's, you're just clear and, and the transformation takes place. This is the extraordinary 
uh, ability of humans. But we mo very few people spend much time mm -hmm. in that place where there is so much good and potential and power. I call it the knowingness, you know, knowing what you need to know when you need to know it because you are allowing, you're trusting, you're downloading. Um, and a lot of that is get out of your head. You know, that mindfulness isn't just in the head. It is that heart, soul, and spirit connection. It's when the whole of you is in sync with one another that the clarity comes to you. And it's also because you don't dictate it, you allow it. But it's, it's switching on all the other cylinders. A car doesn't work by one cylinder. You know, right. what about all the other pistons there? You know, we need all of it. And a lot of people, I think, are afraid to step into their heart. You know, oh, my heart was broken or, you know, I had a heartache and I'm too scared to open up my heart again. But that is the journey in, isn't it? Open up your heart and experience life. Absolutely. And, and I actually don't like language like that personally. And I feel very uncomfortable when I use language like that in corporate trainings, but it's true. Mm -hmm. It's correct. You know, and we have spent so much time, you know, being analytical and yes. developing our thinking. And that's what Western culture is all about. Um, and so we get out of balance mm -hmm. in a sense. We, we develop that. That's useful, but we develop it to in you know, in exclusion and to excess. And there's rarely the talk about those other qualities uh, until we have, gone way too far and make ourselves it's like the analogy in the meditation center i spent they would give very clear instructions and i described them as they would basically tell you to go bang your head against the wall and at some point you realize you're banging your head against the wall and so you stop because you have the self-awareness mm -hmm. uh, of what you're doing now they didn't give you something to harmful to do it was very benign it was go pay attention to your breath but people would, you know, bring all that intensity and overexertion and they needed to do that because that's how they were living every moment of, right. you know, the, the majority of their life. And the ones that had success realized that they were overdoing it mm. and then could start to make the appropriate adjustment. But the teacher would almost cause stress because he would always talking about making more effort. And, mm. and so everyone would, you know, become gung ho and, and there, but it was always, if you listen carefully, there was a, it was the right effort. It was a wise effort, but too many people didn't hear that. And it became this macho thing of I'm going to do it. And, you know, and, and that's how they live their everyday life. And until they could change inside on the simplest of things, uh, that's what would kindle the tra total transformation in all of their life. I mean, obviously in business, you know, competitive, is the big word there, which I like to replace with collaborative. Um, I've done a lot of shows on business and, and it's an absolute delight to see how the perspective is changing and that, you know, more and more companies and, and people are going around with, with um, countries and companies, organizations to put people, planet before profit and that brings some heart into it put your heart into it and that it isn't becoming something that's so, you know, unmacho that your strength is in your heart. Are you seeing a difference with the people that you're working with where, where that heart really heart consciousness is beginning to really wake up and the language is being beginning to be spoken? You know, I, I definitely, I, um, again, I don't focus on that language myself. 
But what I do is I provide the opportunity for people to stop being so heady. Mm -hmm. And whatever else, we know the other thing is the heart. You know, it's interesting in, in uh, Buddhist psychology, the seat of consciousness isn't the head, it's mm -mm. the heart. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, that, that's shocking because, again, we're, we're spending so much time to be up in our head. Yes. And as much. we allow ourselves, as we stop creating that, that is a creation. Mm -hmm. So as we stop forcing that and creating that, then we do settle down and come back into the body. And it's so interesting because when, when you tell people to pay attention to the abdomen, um, when you tell people, sorry, to pay attention to the abdomen, um, they find it difficult to be in the body, mm -hmm. and, you know, and so it's a, a conflict. Um, and as they are able to come into the body, then I think their their presence is more heart centered mm -hmm. naturally again that's our natural that's that's the way we are and we're doing all these weird uh, things to stop that circumvent that or you know avoid that yeah kind of almost forgetting to breathe um you know a lot of people don't realize that kind of the brain is like the cpu it's the hard drive and the software is the programming and we are a subject of our programming you know, environmental or the way we're brought up, uh, again, seeing the family DNA and that, that programming we can change. And, you know, if we're, if we're willing to take the breath, to go down and connect from the inside out, feel it completely, um, we will actually understand that what the programming is telling us doesn't coincide with what the breathing or whatever you wish to, uh, to call it in the gut is telling us and that it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel in alignment and only kind of taking that deep breath and slowing down and getting out of the, the thought process and getting into the feeling of the thought that we actually then understand really what it is that we need. But a lot of time it's like, hurry up, I want to know this, what's the, what's the solution to here? But everything is about slowing down, isn't it? Just taking the time to connect from the inside out. Yes, and, and I don't think it has to be a slowdown in the beginning, maybe it does, because it's not a habit that we have. Right, but, yeah, until it becomes that program right. to reprogram, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but once we get it, it allows us to, you know, to, to go at higher speed more effectively. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because so, it's know, a different always, automation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it's not an automation. I think that's the distinction. It's not an automation, but it's a, a more meticulous and precise approach. It requires more effort and an oscillation between different factors, which normally we're kind of oblivious to. Right. So once we can tune in and see more clearly, then we see there's distinction there that we had not noticed or been aware of before. That ability to see that distinction is what provides opportunities that we never considered or, or thought about before. Clarity. Yeah. You know, our head will always question. Yes, but why? Or what if? You know, and the but, but, buts and the what ifs all the times. And, and that's the way it's designed to do it, is to kind of keep analyzing, analyzing, analyzing. And very often we're just going around in circles, you know, and taking that breath and going in centered and allowing yourself to, to, to understand the knowledge. 
from the inside out. Um, once you've changed that programming and that now becomes your pattern, you know that you're going to get to those results of clarity and understanding a lot quicker because now it's been a different frequency and a different mindset that you're working on. Yeah, I think when you, and maybe we don't, uh, you know, totally change our programming, but maybe we add a new software piece that allows us that additional capability. I think those old habits aren't going to go away so quickly or easily. We can't just, you know, upgrade to a new operating system. So we, we tend to bring along some of what we have, that certainly the habits and patterns. And what's so interesting is when people start to make this transition or to try to practice a new way of being, or meditation as they call it, what they find is that they forget, they miss days. And mm -hmm. then they get bummed out because they're like, oh, I'm not consistent. Mm -hmm. And it's like, actually, you are consistent. You're consistent with your old patterns. Mm -hmm. You just haven't, <laughs> your old yeah. patterns don't go away that quickly or easily. Right. So once, they, <laughs> once you can hold it like that, like, yeah. hey, I've got all these old patterns and habits, of course, they're going to keep coming up just because I said, hey, you know, you, you, they overestimate their greatness. It, you know, having made a determination or a decision like that, it's just going to be smooth sailing and no. never look yeah. back. No. And so it's all these, you know, cockamamie ideas that are driving them and that then they get angry or frustrated or think, hey, it's not for me. It's like, no, 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 no. You know, all these conclusions now you're making again are kind of your old pattern yeah. manifesting rather than your new determination leading the way. Well, there's a lot of driving forces that <clears throat> you apply your mind to the situation and you will have the solution right there and then that can activate it and then that's it, the end of problem. And with old patterning, that's not the way it is. As you said, you, you have to introduce new patterning and then some old patterning will go by the wayside, but there will always be that other patterning that will, you will go back to unconsciously um, or if triggered, right? And, and if you're triggered sure. and notice you're going back to an old pattern, then that's definitely a time to kind of take that deep breath and what a form of meditation you do to kind of recenter yourself and say, I don't want to go back there. That one didn't serve me. Or to turn, into a, turn it into a learning moment. What yeah. is going on here that I keep mm -hmm. getting hooked? Uh, yes. And that curiosity can, can, again, open our eyes to another, you know, layer of the onion or mm -hmm. you know insight into the matrix that we hadn't seen that can be liberating so those yeah. can be those setbacks can actually be doorways or gateways to liberation yeah a lot of people will say that you need to change your environment if you're wishing to change you know your inner consciousness and and sometimes that's easier said than done but when you work on that inner consciousness and become more connected your whole approach to your environment will change. So therefore, the environment will change to your approach. So it's not always that you have to throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, because you can't always do that. But you can bring, again, a different vibration to the situation where people are receiving you on a different level now. Absolutely. I think our mothers are great, um, you know, teachers of this truth because we can't get rid of our parents. Yeah, our parents trigger us, right? We all get triggered by our parents and we all have these deeply embedded dynamics with our, you know, parents and uh, other relationships too. Mm -hmm. But um, so, you know, I have certainly seen, I remember, you know, once I, I, had, I had been going off and doing a lot of meditation. I had come back, I was in the kitchen with my mother and 
she was saying or doing something that would normally prompt a mm-hmm. habitual reaction and create this thing. And I remember I didn't react the way I think she expected or I would have mm-hmm. historically reacted. And what was interesting, now this didn't happen in every case, but right. on this particular point, from that moment forward, like it was different. There wasn't that, you know, she knew she couldn't trigger press me in those that buttons. way. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> press those those buttons weren't there to be pressed anymore. And it shifted the whole dynamic of of the relationship. So um so yeah, and I think that's that's the thing we realize is you know, we all do have circumstances in our life that aren't, you know, as much as it was great for me to be able to go off and, and be in a, in a meditation center and train there, at the end of the day, I kept coming back yeah. to the same, you know, more or less same family relationships, mm-hmm. same, I would recreate the same work dynamics so that I ended up having to transform internally to start shifting the, the reliance. But there are certain external things we can do, mainly involving our own ethical choices. If we Mm -hmm. stop killing and harming others, if we stop stealing, if we stop with sexual, you know, Mm -hmm. misconduct, if we stop lying and Mm -hmm. using harsh speech, and if we stop using intoxicants, just doing those five things has a huge, uh, gives us a lot of the freedom and space that we need uh, to to then do the internal work to shift our relationship changes the chemistry altogether to, to go back to mother and child um i have a son where very often we're hitting heads and as um his girlfriend will point out look guys you're both saying exactly the same thing in a different way will you just agree that you agree <laughs> you know? and so what, we, what we've learned now is that this is my dialogue this is his dialogue but when you look at the mm. words we're saying the same thing so now we're actually at, at a more um, stage in life where we're listening to each other in the way that it's been spoken, not in the way it's been perceived. Um, mm. We are actually at a better level of communication and, than we ever were. And so sometimes arguments come out of it's just somebody's understanding, their perception of something. But when you really look at it deeper, they're saying the same thing, just in a different way. Mm. And we get our knickers in a twist all about it and realize it's just take a breath, folks. We're saying the same thing here. <laughs> um, taking a breath, I think, is something that, you know, for me, it's, um, you know, when you, you can be in the situation and you just slow down for a moment, take a breath and allow that conscious thought to come up before the, the brain thought comes up because the brain will go to the argument or go to the antagonization or go to I'm right, you're wrong because that's a lot of our conditioning that we've been conditioned with. But by just taking that moment and allowing the consciousness comes up, it will change the way we look at it, the way we speak it, and, and therefore the way we invite other people to interact with us. Defusing situations before they get out of hand. Yeah, de-escalating our own reaction, you know, mm-hmm. going from triggered to, you know, helping ourselves recover from this trigger to uh, at least be back in some degree of equilibrium. Yeah. Again, I don't think it's about pausing because I think in that shift from being triggered back to a more neutral or economist place, there's activity going on. So it's not a a pause, but it's not an escalation. It's a de-escalation. It's mm-hmm. a reining in rather than a running on. Right. Um, 
well, for me, it's always a pause, you know, just take that deep breath, you know, before the wrong words come out or before the wrong action comes out and understand, you know, where is this coming from? It's not, you know, the, um, as the four agreements, do not take it personally. Right. Yeah, because when we take things personally, we think it's a personal attack and then we're going to go on the defense and the next thing, you know, World War Three, Four, Five, Six. I'm not quite sure what we're on right now, uh, but we're going to see, you know, um, violence, whether it be words or physical. Um, so, you know, whatever way, some people can get into it straight to be it way. Some people need to take that pause. But, you know, what it is, it's definitely pushing the conscious button on and letting that yes. be activated. Uh, because let that speak. Don't let the head speak. Because the head will always come out in defense. We're seeing so many radical changes in the world right now. You know, businesses are having to change during COVID. Uh, the way they conduct business more online or um, completely reconfigure their business and this is a navigation that they're going through which can be quite stressful but at the same time kind of quite explore, uh, exciting because they're exploring new avenues um, and this is a time to really be mindful and uh, and you know interconnected to your consciousness at this time because you can really make some changes that perhaps you couldn't in another environment and this environment allows you to do so are you seeing that with your clientele right now yeah, well, I, you know, it's interesting. People are definitely uh, much more comfortable talking about anxiety and mental challenges and recognizing that, you know, they need to take action. Certain people are recognizing they need to take action. I had a friend from business school and she said, you know, she, she had gone to Yale undergrad. She'd been, you know, very successful. And then she was at Wharton Business School. And she said, I, I have this feeling of insecurity. And I realize mm -hmm. at this point, it has nothing to do with circumstances. Mm -hmm. This is some inner work that I need to do. And I may as well do it now yeah. so I can live the rest of my life free. And I think that's fortunate that a lot of people have to, or given the chance, have the mm -hmm. time or companies providing resources now. You yeah. know, so many times the resources that, that companies provide, they're, you know, the EPA programs or psychologists or... You know, and those, it's great. They can say on paper, we have all these mm -hmm. employee resources, but that's not what people need. They need more than that. Yeah. And they need these practices that now neuroscience, I mean, and, yeah. you know, thank neuroscience for being able to study. I mean, how remarkable is it? Before people would say you're navel gazing. <laughs> now we know through neuroscience that no, you're changing your brain. Mm -hmm. You're literally changing the activity in your brain by doing some of these activities. So mm -hmm. the skeptics and the doubters and the, you know, what have you, they've, they've lost a lot of the, the, the resistance they had. They, now they're just, if they're not aware of the science, um, then they're just, you know, un, in, ill informed. Um, and, being a competitive type personality, they're likely to figure that out and get on board now. Yeah. Whereas before we didn't have that, you know, that additional information, that scientific, uh, you know, validation that, that now we have. Mm. So I mean, um, you can I literally think, measure people. I mean, you can give them a thought, you know, a movie in their head and you can put these attachments on it and you can literally measure their frequency, their reaction, their heart, everything. So, you know, science has finally caught up. You know, we've, we have a practice that's been around for thousands of years since the beginning of time. And with science backing it, 
I think it makes it more acceptable for people to participate in it because some people it's too wooey-wooey the other way. But if science says this is validated, then, then that kind of gives them permission to kind of yeah. go in. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I think all these factors, I mean, I think, you know, again, COVID is giving people mm -hmm. the opportunity. And, and then as we were talking just before, you know, the, the work, balance stress yeah. people their computers is always you know a few feet away and and then they have the added stress of kids you know running in or managing <laughs> zoom calls for their kids in addition to managing their own schedule so all these factors are you know ask making it more apparent that there's work to be done to find true peace and happiness yeah the true peace and happiness doesn't you know shouldn't be limited to a vacation once a year right like that doesn't do it we need something it's we're, we're you know being a, it's like we're in a room filled with fumes and being asphyxiated and we need a little yeah. fresh air right and i think that's the feeling that that people mm. have these days they yes. just want to be able to breathe take a deep breath yeah um and and feel like it's refreshing rather than that they're they're gasping for oxygen no and, and to realize that you actually can live in that fresh air and every aspect of your life daily you don't have to yes. book it off for two weeks a year right it, it can be a daily lifestyle um and, and again that again goes back to the kind of an old paradigm you know one job and and gold watch and and uh, but now we're seeing so many more people branching out exploring becoming entrepreneurs um and just uh, taking more chances on something that really they love to do rather than the duty of just doing something for the sake of it. My grandfather, he worked for the US government. And I remember when he got older, he was like, they, he, so he, they lied to us. You know, they told mm. us about our golden years being mm. in the future and that we should put off our life yeah. for our golden years. And then you get to your golden years and your hip hurts and you've got yes. this ailment or you're, <laughs> you're dead or whatever. Yeah. And, and so, I, I had that in the back of mm. my head growing up, like my grandfather's, like they lied mm. to us. <laughs> They're yeah. no golden years. They're not no. so golden. And we're not promised tomorrow. I gave up my, my whole dad life. Was, yeah, my dad was dead at, tw at 45. What golden years did he have, right? You know, right. And, and life is about living in the now. The gift of the present is in the now. And, you know, you're not promised into this being the state of conscious that everything is going to be like, you know, ah, all the way through it. You're going to have wavelengths of, uh, of, um, of emotions, but you can just cope with things so much better because you know how, and you know how to be present in your life. And I think that is a huge thing that people just haven't been present in their own existence. They're being present for everyone else, but not in their own lives for themselves. Yeah, and I think, you know, what a lot of people don't acknowledge fully is repression mm. and other mental defense mechanisms take an enormous amount of effort. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've all had, you know, painful memories and we, mm -hmm. the mind is so fast. I mean, this is the other aspect that, that is extraordinary. The mind is so fast that it can notice recognize and then hide information from the conscious part of the mind like that you've got like this that's extraordinary when you think about it it's the same mind we're one mind yeah but x percent of activity is spent kind of 
clearing the path to prevent difficult emotions from even coming up. But that path clearing is, is exhausting and draining in energy and it's secluding us from so much. And so, and, and it's terrifying for people. My God, there was a reason we repress things. They're, they're painful, mm -hmm. they're difficult. And we never had the tools or the techniques no. to process them. And maybe it was, you know, when we were seven or when we were five, yeah. normal personality development, we have to make assumptions about life and the world or else every moment's gonna be an existential crisis. So mm -hmm. we make these assumptions just so we can, you know, move on to thinking about something else, but we never reinvestigate them. So yeah. we're, our foundation is built upon, you know, the emotional reactions and the decisions of a five-year-old, of a three-year-old, of a seven-year-old, until we start turning our attention again and seeing, wow, I, I had this preconceived idea that, you know, that little her child uh, concluded and now that I'm a grown person, I, I can see that was a misinterpretation. But what's so interesting is we remember all the details perfectly. Yes. yes. And we're so kind our, of stuck in that loop. Yeah. Yeah. We, we stick ourselves in that loop because, we yeah. again, we have the ability to, to re-perceive it because all the information mm. is like looking at an old photograph. You can see the whole picture. And we realize, oh, I had come up with this conclusion which was incomplete or impartial and it needn't had been that and that affected so many things in my life but most people never kind of re-explore the assumptions the biases mm. uh the pain and there are tools and techniques that allow you to do it gradually yeah you know it doesn't have to be overwhelming and painful and once you start to do it you build up your confidence mm -hmm. and you see this that it's freeing it's liberating yeah when we stop having to you know exert so much energy in in um in the ways that we normally do um i've got 2500 shows on here and i would probably say that majority of them good 95% of them are from people who have gone through the process in life you know they faced and, and I would say a high percentage of that is dealing with the inner child, the injured inner child. Um, and they realize that, that, you know, that, that liberation, they can liberate that child. They can hug and love that child back into freedom and, and take ownership over their own life. And they've been willing to go through the process. And now through going through that process, they've become their meaningful purpose. And they're living in, in, in joy and purpose and service and they love who they are and why they are today. But you have to be willing to face these things, open up those doors, release them. Otherwise, you're carrying this heavy weight with you all the time and you wonder why you're tired or you wonder why you're getting sick. And a lot of dis-ease is coming from that, you know, not being at ease with self. So we really can't escape ourselves no matter what we do or how successful we're going to be. That is a success that you have. Does the inside match the outer success or is it just the facade? Yeah, and, and uh, some people need to get the outer success before they can focus mm. on the inner, prove that they could do it and mm. then realize it didn't do it for them. Right. Other people start that journey much earlier and realize what's the point of, you know, accumulating the external successes if you're going to be miserable in doing mm -hmm. so. And then some people view both. 
Like yeah. they have the power or the capability to, to manifest success in the world and they want to do this inner work as well and they, they complement each other. Yeah. Would you say that you redefine success once you are willing to go in and do the work? You know, it's interesting. I, I think the analogy I've heard that, that resonates with me is it's seeing with both eyes. Mm -hmm. So if one of our eyes is focused on the internal and one of our eyes is focused on the external, better to have 20-20 vision. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we're all looking for some form of clarity in life, isn't it? Clarity is understanding, knowing the why. You know, I mean, but why did this happen to me? Why do I feel like this? And it's, if you're not willing to kind of search the path that's going to lead you to understanding that why, you know, you're always going to be chasing it, um, which is really, really, really hard. You know, another thing we're seeing at the present moment is we're seeing a lot of protests out there worldwide for various things, whether it's Black Lives Matter, children, um, human rights. It, and what the wonderful thing is doing is that we're seeing uh, peaceful ones, people coming together, all walks of life, all colors, all religions coming together because they recognize that change is needed, that, you know, um, the system is broken and that they can't wait for people to fix it, that they need to be a part of that um, dialogue. And I think it's opening everybody up. Yes, you've got, you know, the, the other protests, the, the, the looters, they're not really anything to do with the protesters. But we're seeing that a voice has been heard. But for so long, I think the voice has been suppressed. And now voices are coming up in unison and being heard. I think a lot of people are going to discover a great deal about themselves from the inside out by participating in this conscious awakening right now. I hope so. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I've devoted my life to the internal protest of mm -hmm. recognizing, I, again, it's, it's, it's far easy. And I, I think a lot of the vocalization of injustices is I'm happy to hear about because, mm -hmm. you know, people that are being manipulated or, you know, taken advantage of due to power position is, is unconscionable. Yeah, and those, absolutely. those are animals that, yeah. um, you know, sadly have too much influence in our culture, but mm -hmm. no matter what we, it comes back to people doing the internal work. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's some, I met a, a Tibetan monk who had been thrown in prison and tortured mm -hmm. uh, for 20 years. And you hear stories of people like that and, and they come out and they're basic. Um, you know, one of them met with the Dalai Lama and said, you know, I have to admit your holiness. At one point I did get angry at this guy who was torturing me. And in a Buddhist context, like it doesn't matter what somebody else, it's the ultimate test right it doesn't matter what somebody else is doing to you it's your reaction yes to it that you have that's the one thing that you have control yes and responsibility for i can't even imagine being tortured no. and and not you know not feeling negativity towards the tort like that level of he remembered the one time he yes. lost patience and and got angry with that guy and and that's just shows you the level of development of of that capacity of mind in them. But I think at the end of the day, it's, um, you know, there is a responsibility. Even the monks in Burma at one point protested uh, the treatment of the government of the people. Mm -hmm. But it, it was 20 years later. 
-hmm. And their message for those first 20 years was, yes, this is horrible. This is, you know, afflictive. And we need to do our own internal work because that's yeah. the only thing we can control or rely upon. And I just hope people don't only focus on the external right. changes. They're capable. I remember hearing stories of, you know, Yugoslavia where people that grew up holding hands and being friends ended up when they were 18 killing each other. Yeah. And I think, you know, we have this, if, if we have untamed anger or hatred mm. in us, sure, when conditions are great, we can all be friendly and nice and smile. Yeah. But when, you know, we stub our toe and we get angry, that's a sign right there. We're susceptible if conditions on a larger scale change to being one of those people that does unconscionable things. Right. And we really have to do a lot of internal work. This isn't, you know, a, a small a weekend getaway thing. No, this is, yeah, it's a yeah. lifestyle change, isn't it? Completely commitment, total commitment yeah. to it. And transformation in result, mm -hmm. not just I'm yeah. going back to business. This is a results oriented business. People yes. think it's like a volunteer. I'll just put in a little time and mm -hmm. be a little nicer. It's like, well, that's a little bit of a step in the right direction. But I would like people to bring that results oriented yeah. uh, mentality to these practices and be like, I'm not going to give up until mm -hmm. I reach a certain degree of success and transformation where I'm protected from falling back into those yeah. patterns and habits that can get triggered that totally are not in line with what I believe. Um, and there, there are, I mean, there are in, in different spiritual traditions, clearly documented paths of transformation and the resulting uh, benefits they bring. Yes. And so, you know, finding a tradition, finding a teacher and doing the work, um, sadly, very few people do it. I, you know, I'm not sure it's because they don't have access because they don't have the awareness or the inclination. Um, and that's certainly what my mission is about, is about helping people at least take the steps in the right direction, mm -hmm. knowingly or unknowingly. It doesn't yeah. matter whether you realize you're doing the highest level practice or not. If you're doing the highest level practice, then you're going to get the best yes. quality transformation. And on the flip side of that, if you're not doing the highest potential uh, practice, then no matter how much you do of it, you're not going to get that transformation. So I think people need to educate themselves about the types of practices and the types of outcomes they produce and what they talk about is as the goal of those practices. Um, and then make a smart choice. You know, for yeah. me, I said, I want to find just like with a career, I wanted to find something that, you know, was, I felt like I could do good for other people and get remunerated for it. When I did my spiritual or inner work practice, whatever you want to call it, I wanted to, you know, hopefully I was working on the, the biggest transformation in the shortest amount of time. Yeah. And, you know, there isn't a, you know, one style that fits all. And that's the thing you've got to kind of investigate and explore you know, um, be willing to listen. It's the reason I do all these uh, podcast shows. You're going to hear different people on their own different perspectives and teachings. And you're not going to agree with every single one of them, but there's one of them that's going to click. Oh, you're speaking my language. I get what you're saying. You know, my channels are open to receiving your information because I feel I can apply that with myself. So don't give up because you don't find that first person straight off the bat. 
we are exploratory creatures by nature and we love a good adventure. So look at it as a treasure hunt to yourself by willing to explore the various people that speak your language that can ignite that in you and put you on the right path. It's, uh, it's not I tried it once and it didn't work. It's try, try, try again until you find that right connection that's going to ignite you in, in that consciousness. Absolutely. So how do you help people? I mean, um, is it, uh, how, what's your process? Is it a workshop? Is it a program that they go through? You know, there was, um, it's to help people establish themselves in a, in a practice that, that has some track, you know, track record and, and history and proven results. So, mm -hmm. you know, when I was first practicing, I felt like teachers were telling me, interpreting some other source that they had been to. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I wanted the source. Yes. And through the years that I spent training over 25, 30 years, what I realized my teachers were just passing on the source. Right. And they, the, the, the kind of self aggrandizement of I'm going to teach others really dropped away. Mm -hmm. And there was this simplicity of, you know, here's this body of knowledge and I'm just can, tr the best thing I can do is pass it on without, adding anything because it's been around for 2,500 mm. years because it works and those that get it, get it. And so yeah. that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to save people the, the need to travel to Asia to go <laughs> find a meditation center. Mm. Um, I, and a lot of that, you know, was interesting for the teachers that I studied with, they wanted to see dedication and determination. And so the fact that somebody would get on a plane, would mm. go over to Asia, spend months, there and do it multiple times over the course of years, it was through that that they slowly relinquished or shared yes. more and more of the teachings with me. And I'm always a very practical person. I'm like, you know, why should it take 25 years to, to mm -hmm. get access to what somebody could get in a much shorter and faster period? Right. So I have created a program where instead of having people bang their head against the wall, like I said earlier, mm -hmm. to the point where they realize they're banging a head against the wall. I try and provide them a little context so they get to that understanding that much faster. And I do it by, I, I try to remove the religious mm -hmm. and cultural uh, elements that, that aren't necessary and just pass on the source teachings that, that spoke to me and that resonated with me and that my teacher really emphasized with me and he helped me differentiate you know what was necessary and what wasn't necessary so it's not that i'm even making that determination on my own um but in following he was you know a, a burmese monk but he had an inner he was an international world you know global teacher uh and so he with all of his students helped each of us come to a deep understanding of how to pass on these teachings in a universal way, in a way that appeals to humans. Um, and so being a New Yorker, being an American businessman, I can use that language mm -hmm. and share, but share the same. If I, you know, I say, if somebody were to take my course, my program, and then I drop them in this very, you know, well-regarded meditation center in Burma, they'd come out and they'd say, this is exactly the same thing mm -hmm. I was doing. And, and that's the beauty is that, when people do this, whether they're a doorman at a hotel or whether they're the CEO of the hotel, it speaks to us as human yes. beings because we've never, I had never been taught how to 
work with and relate to my human experience. Mm -hmm. I'd been taught how to develop an intellect and think a certain way, but I hadn't been taught how to relate and nurture kind of the whole being. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, and when I did that, it provided a relief and a, you know, a, a shifted how I interacted in the world that benefited not just me, but the people around me as well. I always say the best teachers are those that have gone through it because they are it, you know, and what you're doing is you're sharing you, how it's changed your life, you know, uh, the skills and the tools in which you use uh, to get you where you are but it, you're sharing you and you know it's as you said you can share a duplication but that's not you when it comes from you because it is something that you have become because of the uh, those teachings you are the better teacher because people see the reflection in you of those teachings so we see too much of um, people teaching it but not practicing it and the best teachers are those that are it they are their teachings because it's more authentic. It's more real. And, then, and we, we embrace it so much more deeper on a cellular level without even knowing because we can feel it. We can feel mm. the connection to it. So again, that's why it's important to kind of, you know, a willingness to listen, to learn and to explore those people that you really feel are coming from that core, coming from that source, because then that's the way you're going to hear them. Otherwise it's just going to be words going over. So, yeah, we have to be able to do that kind of walking, be the sharer, right? And be the listener and be the carer. Um, it does change you. You know, you're not looking for someone to use this as a practice that they dabble into now and again. You're wanting to share this, that they become it. And it, and it uh, expands their life and everything else that they do, you know, coming from that source, from that core consciousness. And they will be better people and everything that they touch will be better for it. Very yeah, simple, really, isn't it? <laughs> it really is, and that's where people are going to get maximum benefit. Mm -hmm. You know. So, so, how do people reach you? Um, what are your uh, courses or your programs? Is it a on obviously online right now? But um, you know, how what is your process, and how do people find you? Well, thanks for asking. Um, you know, I found that people right now are looking for kind of three different approaches. One, a lot of people find it easier to show up for on a time and a date. Like mm -hmm. their external mm -hmm. focus is is still there, so they can they can show up for a ten o'clock meeting, but they can't click a button to listen to a guided session on their own. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yet yeah, that said, there is a certain point where people do wake up at six o'clock in the morning or eleven o'clock in the night, and they do have the energy and the interest, and there is no program at the time. So I've combined both of those. Um, depending if people want to work with me individually or on a company basis, um, we can set up, you know, a weekly session, but the main body of work is an online uh, self-paced program with live interactions with me and guidance with me where I take people, uh, I break up into baby steps. So mm -hmm. nothing is overwhelming. It's like there's 60 pieces of, of understanding to get and we go one by one. Uh, and so it's very easy. And if people want to binge listen and binge learn, they can do that and go through, you know, five sessions at once. But at the end of that, people are then self-reliant. They, mm. they, they understand what they're doing. It's like they can go out and play around a golf, you know. Mm. First you learn the grip, then mm. you learn how to stand, 
then you learn how to swing, then you learn how to hit, you know, the short irons and then the long irons. And then, and you learn each of these bits by bits. And then eventually you go out on the golf course. And again, it's, you, you may have had a good shot on the range, but doing it on the golf course is a different thing. And so you slowly get better and better. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, but you constantly have to go back to the range mm-hmm. to work on different things. And you constantly go on the course and keep working at it. And so that's the thing, but at a certain point you can play golf. Yeah. And so at a certain point, people get the practice. It's not such a complicated practice. They started to apply it in all these different contexts and they start to realize they have a, they have a system that they can use. And so that's the, the goal. Right. And then whether they choose to stick around because they feel inspired or they want to go, you know, further refinement and become a real master in the area. Well, that's great. But it's always on this, um, you know, it's, it's driven in, intrinsically, not because I'm selling a, a right. system that, that forces people to always be relying on me. Right. Well, it's something that they immerse themselves in and they become. And then, you know, should they, a trigger come along and push them off kilter, they've got a resource to go back to put them back into an alignment and, and understand what caused that. But it is, it is a state of beingness, isn't it? You know, you, you are becoming that. You are it. So it gets to a point where you don't have to think about it anymore. You are it. But that will take you, or that persistence and commitment to, to learn that swing. You don't become a master overnight. It's something that at first is practicing, understanding, practicing until you become. A good golf player is at one <laughs> with his golf club. And that's really what we want to be, right? We want to be at one with whatever we're doing in life. And even a good golfer, right? They all fall yeah. off. They got to yes. come back and constantly yeah. tweak it. And I, th- I almost think it's more like a, a heads-up display mm-hmm. where you have this added capability and, again, we forget our old habits yeah. are strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then, but we know how to turn on the heads up display again to get us back on track. And so I think it's very much like that. I, the periods where we are one are very uh, fleeting. You know, it's more the case that we're off and trying to get back than we are, you know, in the one. Yeah. At least so far for me. Yeah, I mean, everybody has that stumbling block now and again that comes back. But in, and it, it, it comes down, I think, a lot to choice. Am I going to be completely open and, and really immerse myself in this? Or am I only just going to be a small participant with a toe in and maybe a foot and maybe this and that? And it is, ask yourself that question. What are you wanting to get out of this? And if you are feeling disconnected in your own life, then you would need to ignite that consciousness in whatever, uh, in who you are. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how successful you are, but in who you are. And you're not going to find that contentment in life or that purpose in life um, until you do. Like as a numerous amount of people that reach the heights you know, in their company, you know, the higher they could go and, and as empty as anything, because there was no connection to that consciousness of what it meant to them. So as you said, why wait until you get there and have to pedal back, you know, start now, start young and, you know, set yourself on the right path so that your success matches your inner success at the same time. And it become more meaningful, but it also become more purposeful towards society as well. And then we won't see all these big problems in the future because we will be dealing with them before they get to that magnitude. 
Absolutely. And, and I remember when I would go off on retreat, it's very, when I would leave, it, you'd come back to the world and, and it was very easy to forget all mm. the wonderful things that happened because you were no longer in that context. Right. And I, 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 I made a determination that all I had to remember was to get back to retreat because mm. I knew a lot of important work had there. And I think if that's one message, when we read going back to the earlier discussion about people committing suicide, mm -hmm. the fact, know that there's hope out there. Yes. You know, know that if somebody's at the end of their wits, that moment, that perception uh, will change. Yeah. Uh, and seek out, it is possible for the transformation, the people that have been miserable, depressed, and been through horrible things have found joy and happiness and not to make an impulsive decision as best as one has control over it in a moment of despair. Yeah. But remember that there, there is hope, there is possibility. Just hopefully you have the good fortune to meet somebody that can, you know, guide you. Yes. In that. Yes. Uh, and, you know, I can tell you, I've interviewed so many people and known so many people who have been at that brink and there was either something or someone that, that stopped, them going ahead and it, it kind of became their redirect you know when they pull themselves back from the brink or somebody pulls them back from the brink and then it's just kind of an almost like oh what was what did I nearly do and and it kind of that reset to those to look at I don't want to go down that path so you don't want to go down that path which path do you want to go down let's start making the journey and you know you can take the horse to water but you can't make it drink but if you leave it there long enough, it's going to realize it's thirsty. So we've just got to be there when they're ready, right? <laughs> we can't force yep. anything on anybody. We've just got to be there when they're ready. Nurture them and guide them along the way. Because that's really all it is. Nurturing and guiding them with your wisdom. Yeah. What's your site, love? And how do people get hold of you? Sure, I have two sites. Uh, my The main program site, the online program, is at mindfulness.business and my personal site which again will direct you there intermingled is andrewsheffer.com and can you spend the the sheffer please just for people who are listening sure uh andrew a-n-d-r-e-w sheffer s-c-h-e-f-f-e-r.com and the other one is mindful.business mindfulness.business mindfulness.business sorry i haven't got my glasses on <laughs> No worries. <laughs> <laughs> Everything blurs. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing with us. You know, we are in a wonderful period of transition. And, you know, that consciousness is waking up collectively. And then people are needing that guidance right now to help them understand and where to go. And, uh, you know, there's a new dialogue coming out there, um, a new question. And uh, we just need to help people find that inner answer. And it's, the answer always lies within you. Um, but you've got to get in there first, right? You yes. need to get in there. And uh, when you do, you believe me, you won't want to come back out. <laughs> so, <laughs> you won't want to live that just exterior life because it's so empty. You'll realize that life is so much fuller when you live it from the inside out. So thank you so much for sharing with us today, Andrew. Thank you, Sarah. And thank you for the work you do and bringing so many people's work to, to the consciousness of other people and showing them the options and the possibilities and the journeys that you know, so many people have been on. So thank you for the work oh, you do. My pleasure. It's my calling. This is what I'm put <laughs> here to do. And, you know, every time you kind of 
hear the, the CNN news, the pimple into the volcanic eruption, and you look at humanity and you think, oh, just press the delete button. And then you hear somebody's story and you, and you go, oh my God, there's so much beauty and awesomeness in humanity. If only we would ignite it and let it out. And so this is where I let it out. And so people can get immersed in this and realize there is enough love on every level to go around, become the love you seek. So thank you for sharing. <laughs> <laughs> Until Thank next you. time, folks. Bye. We hope you enjoyed the show. We look forward to bringing you more shows. Please go to selfdiscoverymedia.com slash shows and you will see the incredible lineup of genres and shows that we have for you. We are here to make a difference in your life. Thank you for listening.